Welcome to the Sunday Evening Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Again, a very warm welcome to each and every one of you. My name is Kevin. Um, I lead the congregation down here in Burgess Hill with my wife, Sharon. It's a pleasure to have you here tonight. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, we're really happy to have you all here to spend this time with you and with God together. So tonight we have a great message from God. Well, I believe it's a great message. We'll see if you do at the end of it. Um, but basically, um, we've given this title, Called for the Impossible. And um, we're going we're gonna to look into a story in the Bible. Uh, the Bible is God's word. We believe every word in it is truth and life. And so we're going to look at a story of a specific guy in there. He's called Gideon. And so if you want to turn to Judges chapter 6, if you have a Bible, um, otherwise it's going to pop on the screen um, if everything works. And so we're going to look at this story of Gideon. And before we start reading, I just want to set a bit of a scene. Um, Gideon is part of this um, uh, people group that's called the Israelites. And uh, the Israelites are in a bit of a tough season when uh, the story of Gideon takes place. Uh, they've basically disobeyed God. And as a result, they're under the rule of those guys called the Midianites. And uh, the Midianites are really mean to them. And basically every time the uh, Israelites are trying to um, uh, just raise a harvest so that they can get food, the Midianites come in and they, they steal everything from them, destroy the harvest. So basically the Israelites are starving. They're about to die. They just don't know what to do. And in the midst of everything that's going on, we meet Gideon in a wine press. That's a bit of a random place to meet someone, but that's where uh, Gideon's story starts. Um, and I think we find him in a wine press because um, he's, he's threshing wheat in a wine press as well. So we find him threshing wheat in a wine press. And it's a bit of a weird thing because if you know anything about, I didn't know anything. I had to Google it because I'm not really good at farming stuff. But if you if basically threshing wheat, you would, um, that's what you do. You would, you would go to a, an open space and you would throw the wheat in the air. And because the grain is heavier than the chaff, 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 the chaff, um, it would be separated with the wind. So the wind would blow away the chaff and the grain would fall, and that's how you would get what you need. Uh, but Gideon is in a wine press, which is basically a pit. There's no wind. So he's basically trying to make something impossible happen. So he's, 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 he's trying to throw the, the, the wheat in the air and then waiting for the wind that's not there to come. Uh, to separate the chaff from the grain. Um, so it's very interesting. But I believe we find him in a wine press because a wine press is a place of crushing. That's where you would crush the grapes so that then it would all become wine. And so it's not meant for wheat at all. But as, as you, we were saying, the, the Midianites are there and they're about to steal everything. So if he does it in the open air, he's basically scared that everything's going to be taken away from him anyway. So he's doing it in the wine press, a place of crushing. And I think we find in there because it represents a bit the season that he is in, but that the whole of Israel is in as well, a season of crushing because there has been no words from God, no direction from God for the people in the last seven years. It's a bit of a dark season, if you'd like. And it gets to the point where we find Gideon trying to make something impossible happen out of himself. 
And seven years is a long season to go through when there's this crushing, this, this season where it's hard and it can seem impossible because God's not giving any direction. There's nothing happening. And so we find God coming in at verse 11. And it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, not Winfrey, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. What an introduction. I love it. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole of the tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And so God comes in the picture and the first thing God says to Gideon is mighty warrior. And what an introduction, mighty warrior. And, and you see Gideon's reaction doesn't even take notice. It's like, God, there's all of these problems here. Like, can you, can you not see? Like, everything's going wrong and you're just showing up mighty warrior and all that. And so Gideon's not really agreeing with God. But as I said, it was a season of crushing. It was a season where everything was hard. Everything was kind of going wrong for the people of Israel. And so because of that, Gideon wasn't in a place where he could even acknowledge God's statement calling him a mighty hero. I want to tell you one first point tonight. My first point tonight is that a season of crushing is what it is. It is a season. It's going to pass. Don't let the crushing become your identity. Because that's what happened to Gideon. He is so fixed on the problems and everything that's going on that he's not able to acknowledge that actually God is calling him a mighty hero. Never let the season of crushing become your identity. It's a season. It's meant to pass. And when God comes in, he transforms everything. Come on. There's someone that believes that tonight. Because as we, oh, the Bible's going. As we're going to see, as we're going to see, it's going to transform everything. And so the second thing God does in, that, in those few verses, he calls him mighty hero, speaks into his identity. But then second thing he says, go with the strength you have. And rescue Israel from the Midianites, for I am sending you. God first speaks into his identity. And second thing he does, he brings purpose into the situation. Brings a calling, a mission, if you'd like, to Gideon. This is what I have called you to do. And you know what? God calls each and every one of us to do something too. It says in John 15, um, it says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. 
In 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, it says, Now it is God who makes us both, you, us and you, stand firm in Christ. He's anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God speaks calling, purpose, and mission into Gideon, and He does the same into each of us. He's letting us know tonight that he has chosen us, appointed us, anointed us for a specific task. And if we just see it and open our eyes, we all have purpose tonight. But we have to make a decision to accept what God is speaking over us, to receive it and to run with it. Because Gideon is faced with that decision. Okay, God, you're saying I'm about to go rescue Israel. Either I do it or I decide to deny it all and stay in my wine press, <laughs> which sounds a bit more depressing. And so we keep reading the story. In Judge, we'll, we'll go from um, verse 25 to 32. It keeps going. We'll just go uh, chronologically as, as it goes. And so after this whole conversation, this first conversation Gideon has with God, um, God comes back and says to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on the hilltop, laying the stones carefully, sacrificing the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using a fuel uh, as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you, call, you cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole uh, beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built and on it were the remains of the build of the bull sorry, that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. So what happens there? Basically, um, Baal and Asherah, the Asherah pole and all of that, they, they are... Um, they, they, are, they are representing other gods than the Israelites were worshipping at the time. So what God is actually saying to Gideon is, look, if you are to do what I've called you to do, it can only be with me only in the, in the picture, if that makes sense. I can be the only one that has your devotion, your attention. It won't work if the people of Israel are still praising and worshiping those other gods. So Gideon has to take a stand and say, okay, we'll get rid of everything else, God, and make all the space for you. And so he breaks down those altars to other gods and raises up one to the Lord God Almighty. And so it causes quite a stir in the town, in the village, in his, in his people because they're like, oh, what happened? We're supposed to worship those idols and they can't anymore because in the end they are not there. They've been burnt. And so there's a sacrifice. It speaks of a sacrifice that we have to do just as Gideon had to do where we have to say actually nothing else matters, God. In this situation, if you have this calling on my life, I will do everything you want the way you want me to do it. And I will just surrender everything to you. I will worship you and you alone. And so he just has to have 
all the importance in our life. Everything has to go back to him. And just like the Israelite um, decided to do, we have to do the same thing and just worship God and him alone. And so there's that sacrifice that they decide to make to God and just break down all the rest. And so it just makes the space for what God wants to do next. And so we go a bit further in the story. And in chapter 7, it says that um, Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped in the north of them, in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. <laughs> um, you have to know that the Midianites had formed an alliance. And on av- like, if you want a, a count of the amount of soldiers that they were about to face, they reckon it was like about 130,000 soldiers they were about to face. Gideon is there with 22,000 soldiers, right? So you have 130,000 on a side, 22,000 on the other. What does God say? Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. He probably thought, wait, what? <laughs> you, you gone crazy, God. Like, if anything, I thought we were going to have this conversation and you were going to pop up a few angels next to us so that they could help us in the battle. What you're saying is I have too many? And so God goes through this process with Gideon of just bringing down the army to a number of 300 men. And so basically God tells him, look, if I let you fight the Midianites with all of the 22,000, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid and afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22, oh, sorry, they had, yeah, so they 22,000 leave and then they have 10,000 left. But then the Lord says to Gideon, they are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told them, divide the man into two groups. In one group, put all of those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues Uh, like dogs in the other group put all of those who kneel down and drink water with their mouths in the streams only 300 of the men drank from their hands all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouth in the stream the Lord told Gideon with these 300 men I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites send all the others home so Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horn horns and the of the other warriors and send them home but he kept 300 men with him from so many thousands he got down to 300 to face an army of 130,000 men it's impossible but how many of you know that God sometimes puts us in impossible situations? And he's there sitting, probably wondering, look, how is this going to work? We have 300 men. There is no way. Like, even if those 300s were all the Avengers, we would still lose. Like, even if they had superpowers and stuff, I think we would still lose. Like, he had to put all his faith, all his belief, completely trusting God. I know there is no way we can do this. And out of his own thought, he probably, he, he would was probably thinking we need to add more men here we need to just multiply somehow but God doesn't think like us and so it just shows how much when we are called into a situation and called to a specific purpose we need to do it God's way all the way 
And so he could have said, look, God, I don't think it's going to work. I think my plan's better. I'm going to keep as many men as I can and go to war. But he didn't. He had to say, okay, God, I surrender my way, my fault, my will, whatever I desire to you so that we will do it your way until the end. And so he goes with 300 men. And sometimes we have the same things happen to us where God says to do things a specific way. And sometimes it doesn't really make sense. I remember when um, I'm not originally from England, if you couldn't tell by my accent and my mistakes here and there in the language. Uh, I'm from Belgium. I originally speak French. Um, and so me and my wife Sharon were uh, living in Belgium and enjoying our lives and having a job and a, a, a flat and we had a little kitty that was called Muffin and he was really cute. Um, and so we had, a, we had a life settled there until one day God uh, spoke to us, well, over a period of time, but he spoke to us and said, look, uh, it's all nice and good what you're doing here, but I'm calling you to go to England. And um, we looked at each other and thought, well, this is completely crazy. Like, we have a good thing going over here. Like, everything's just nice and kind of working out. Well, most of it anyway. Um, why? Like, that doesn't make any sense. A bit like Gideon thought, like, yeah, 300 men doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you make us do this, Lord? And so God said, just, just trust me. Like, I will, I will make a way. And so basically God was calling us to come here to Kingdom Faith and be part of the Bible College and become students. And um, at the time, I was the only one working. Sharon was doing university. So we were living on one salary. And so I was like, God, there's no way. Like, we can't even afford to get to England. <laughs> like, uh, even, if, <laughs> even if you want us there, like, it's, it's not going to work. Then we can afford to pay for the year of Bible College in England. And so just like Gideon probably went through that conversation, it doesn't make any sense, God. I went, it doesn't make any sense, God. I like Belgium. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, nevertheless, um, we ended up here and, uh, and God made a way through it all. He made a way in every situation. He provided financially. He provided for another family for us here. We have loads of friends that are around us that we love and appreciate so much because our families are obviously not here. Um, so it's just been amazing to see that journey. So sometimes God calls us to do stuff that doesn't make sense. But through it all, as we were singing earlier, he's greater than it all, but through it all, he knows what he's doing and he has a plan. And so if we just submit to him and do it his way, he will make us fruitful. He will carry out his own plan. It's nothing that we are doing. And so Gideon's like, okay, God, I surrender. I just, I'll just go with the 300 men. And if I die... I die. <laughs> um, and so we have to do it God's way, not ours. Let's keep reading the story and see what happens. It's such a good story. There's so much in there that we could just pick and speak about. But we, we, just, um, we just have to make some choices tonight. So let's keep reading the story. In chapter 7, verse 10 to 14, we'll read that bit. But if you are afraid to attack, so it goes down. So they make the choice of going with 300 men. And then God basically tells Gideon, look, we're going to go and fight now. We're going to go and do this. And so Gideon's like, okay, God. And so God tells him, but if you're afraid to do it, let me give you some encouragement. And so it says, but if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to the Midianites, to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. 
So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy's camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of lo locusts. That's how many of them they were. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashores, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had a dream. And in the dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelites, victory over Midian and all of its allies. Now, you know what that says to me. Look, look, let's go back to, to, verse, to verse 10. And it says, but if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. First, God knows how we feel. God doesn't neglect our feelings. He doesn't just push them aside. He knows how we feel through it all. And so God says, look, I know you're afraid. I know you're afraid, but don't let that stop you. And so sometimes when God is calling us to something, it's much, much likely to be, more likely to be something that's greater than us, something that's bigger than us. And so it can seem a bit scary. But God says, look, I know you're scared. But don't let that fear stop you. Go down to the camp and listen. And then you'll be eager to attack. And so don't let your fear, the fear that's in your heart, abort the calling that God has placed on your life. Because we are all afraid. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to, to have some fear about some big things of life that God seems to be speaking over your life. It's okay. But don't let that fear stop you. I'm nervous every time before I start doing this. Ask any of my friends. I go to them like, I don't know how this is going to go. Praise the Lord, he's got this because I don't know what I can do. And I'm so aware that I can't do anything, but it's God that does it. And every time you take that step of faith, God is faithful to carry you through. And so don't let that fear abort the calling that God has placed on your life. Let God transform your fear into faith, just like he did it for Gideon. He says, I know you're afraid. But go to the camp, I will encourage you, and then you'll be eager to attack. That eagerness is that faith that God, that Gideon then had. I know I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. And so what God did is transform that fear into faith. So let God do that for you. Let that faith arise because he's the God of the impossible, just as we're about to see it. So we keep reading, and this is the most exciting part of the story. It was just after midnight, verse 19, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him, they split into three uh, little groups to go and attack. They had a strategy going on. Uh, and suddenly they blew the ram's horn and broke their clay of jar, their jars of clay. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hand and the horns in their right hand. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horn, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shitta near Zerarah and to the border of Abel Menela near Tabath. Can you notice how there's something else crazy in that part of the story? They went into war 
the other side has camels and swords and shields. And they go into war with horns, torches, and jars of clay. Like literally, picture this. Not only have I got 300 men against 130,000, but they got swords, camels. I mean, how cool is that? They got camels and they got swords and shields. And I'm down here and I got a torch, a jar of clay that's completely useless in this case. Maybe I can throw it on one guy, but then there's 129,999, I don't know how many left. And, and, and then the only other thing I got is, uh, yeah, the torches, the jars of clay and the horns. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we got. Like this was completely crazy. Picture the scene. It's, it's madness. But somehow, just as they are, they go with what they have. And God still makes a way. And it's incredible because the story starts of Gideon with an impossible situation. It finishes with an impossible situation. The difference in the middle, God comes in, it transforms everything and makes it happen. Because we find Gideon in the wine press to start with. And he starts out of his own initiative to try to make something impossible happen. Remember the threshing of the wheat in, in, in the wine press? It's impossible. He's trying to make that happen out of his own effort. At the end, they're trying to, find, to fight a war with 300 people and, and, and horns and stuff against an army of 130,000. It's impossible. Two impossible situations. The difference is that in one, God's in it. He's breathed it. He's started it. He's guided it all the way through. And so it results in victory. It's completely amazing, mind-blowing. But you know what that says as well? Is that we, again, can't do anything. We can't add anything. We just have to come as we are with what we have. And God does the rest. They came with what they had. They were aware they only had jars of clay, a horn, and a torch. That's all we got, God. It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. I'll make it work. I'll make it work. I'll, I'll scare the people and they'll fight between themselves. You sure, God? Yeah, yeah. They'll fight between themselves. You won't have to do a thing. It will all be done for you. And so many times we get scared and we look at the situation and how big it is. And we focus our eyes so much on that that we forgot that God is greater than it all. We forgot that God is greater, that he can make a way, that he can make people fight against each other so we don't have to do a thing. And so I want to encourage you tonight, whatever the situation is, whatever you have, it's enough. God's not looking for the most equipped, prepared people. He's looking for someone willing, willing to answer that call. Gideon was willing, no matter how crazy it was. He said, okay, God, I'll do it. He got out of his wine press. He, 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 he broke the, the statues to the other God. He, he came and, 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 and reduced his army to 300 men. Then he, he shouted and, and went with the horn and the torch. He did it all God's way. He trusted him all the way because he was willing. And so God is able to do a miracle. And tonight I want to tell you that the same thing can happen in each of our lives Every day, God can make impossible situations and transform them, take them, and make them into something possible. The difference is when God's in it. And so no matter what season you have been through, maybe, maybe 
lately your life has been a bit like the ones of the Israelites where it's been a season of crushing, a season where it was, it's been a bit dark, it's been a bit hard. Like, God, where are you? Like, it seems like you're not speaking. It seems like you're not saying anything. Like, I don't know what to do, where to go. That season's only a moment. Because when God comes in and he speaks, if you are then willing, he transforms everything. And he makes a miracle happen. So don't let that situation become a reality and get stuck in it, okay? Really don't let that season become like that. Um, can I have the band back, please? We're just going to, um, yeah, if you can just start playing in the background. Don't let that season become your reality forever because it's only a season. And God can come and speak just like he gave that mission to Gideon, he has that same mission, that purpose, that calling, whatever you want to call it, for each and every one of us. For, for me, for Sharon, but for all of you guys as well. We have purpose in our lives because that's what God does. He brings purpose to each and every one of us. So if we, all, if we can all stand, we all stand together. And... Um, And we're just going to wait on God right now because I believe that God wants to speak. Maybe where it's been a season where like Gideon, God hadn't spoken for so long. I believe that God wants to speak to you tonight. Wants to say something that will come and, and maybe help those fears that you've had in your heart. Just like he sent Gideon to the camp. I believe that God's going to say something to you. If you say, God, speak, I believe he's going to say something that will, that will just mend your heart, that will help your heart be at peace in whatever season you're in. I believe that if you are a season of peace already, I believe God wants to speak more purpose in your life tonight. That he can say, yes, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. And we're going to do it my way. And then you have a choice to make, either do it or not. We always have a choice. And finally, I believe if, if, if none of this, if you've never had God speak to you because you haven't heard about God yet, I believe that God wants to make himself known to you tonight for the very first time. If you would just come and say, God, I'm here. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you exist. But this guy's pretty passionate about you. So you must be somewhere. Father, just I pray that you would speak to every heart. I pray that you would speak to every heart right now. Wherever people are at, Father, I just pray that you would release a word of encouragement, a word of, of peace, a word of purpose, Father. I, I, I pray that you would make yourself real right now. Just dare to speak to God. Tell Him how you feel. Open your heart. Be honest. God, I don't know what's going on. God, it seems like you're not there. God, what you're asking me to do is crazy. I don't know how it will work. It seems like I'm not equipped for the situation. God is telling you right now, I know, son. I know you're not equipped, but I don't need you to be. I don't need you to be because I'm the God Almighty. I'm the one carrying this mission through. I'm just using you along the way. If you've been feeling burdened and heavy and pressured by the things of life, God wants you to know that he never meant for that to be there. God says in his word, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. God is the one carrying the weight.
If he gave you a promise, a, a mission, whatever you want to call it, he's the one who has the responsibility to carry it through. We're partnering with him along the way, trusting in him in every day. Let just God speak to your heart. message could be really centered around the fear of Gideon and I believe that God wants to really do something about fear tonight and he wants to break that fear transform take that fear transform it into faith faith to believe his word faith to believe what he wants to do in what he wants to do fear is not from God doesn't want it to be there but he understands it he's not condemning you for being afraid but he doesn't want you to stay that way he doesn't want you to stay crushed so I believe that tonight we can rise up above fear maybe fear of the future fear of uh, of provision finances lack of it fear of, of 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 family members being a certain way or not being saved yet or 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 whatever situations they are. Fear that past hurts would happen again. Fear that pain will never leave. I really believe that God wants to do something about that fear. Just like he's changed it for Gideon, he can change it for you tonight. So we're simply going to sing that song and it says at your name, every chain must break at your name everything must bow and so we're going to declare that and believe that whatever fear whatever doubt whatever pain whatever hurt of the past i have is going to come under the name of the lord tonight and that just like gideon did with the israelites we are going to rise up tonight into who we are made to be we are going to rise up and say, God, I believe your word. I believe you have a calling, a purpose for me. I believe I will rise up to it and accomplish it in your strength. Is there anyone that believes that tonight? Come on, let's sing it together. We won't be bound by fear or nothing else. Tonight, don't let anything, anything keep you from God's calling on your life. Don't let any fear abort God's calling on your life. Don't let it take over. Don't let any past season of crushing define your future. God has purpose for each and every one of you. He has a life of abundance. The word says that God has good plans, plans for a future and a hope. And regardless of what he's asking us to do, there is fruit in it. There is joy in it. There is purpose, love, and belonging in it. Just like Gideon, you can experience all of that. Don't let anything hold you back from what God has for you. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, you are so good. You are such a good Father. 
We thank you for your word that you have spoken tonight. We thank you for the fear that is now gone. We thank you because the past won't define the present or the future. We thank you because just like Gideon, each and every one of us will rise up tonight and go after what you are calling us to do and fight the good fight so that your kingdom will be established here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.